right, let's turn our Okay, let's turn our attention to the scripture today. We're in part two of a series that I'm calling Love Story. Maybe you are caught up uh, in a love story uh, in your home. Uh, Maybe you enjoy reading love stories, watching love stories. Last Sunday we had some fun talking about love stories from Star Wars with uh, Han and Leia, from Star Trek with Spock and Uhura, um, and from Wally and Eva, maybe one of my uh, favorites. Uh, So God's love story has been going on since the beginning of human history. And last Sunday we talked a little bit in part one about how God's love, here's, here's what it's like. God shows us love first. We didn't show God love first. God showed us love first. And he did this in a number of ways. But a couple of ways are that God created us. He gave us life. No one listening to me today brought themselves into the world. God made it possible for you to have a life. The second way we talked about last Sunday that God shows us love first in his great love story is by making salvation available to us. God made salvation available to us. And here's two amazing ways that God has showed us love first in his story. Today, we're going to take in part two a look at this truth. God's love story includes unity. What we believe, what we read in scripture is that before anything that you see now was created, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were in relationship with each other, giving love, receiving love. They create humanity, give humanity life, and really what it is, is an invitation to participate in this love relationship with God. We're invited to receive love from God and to share love with God and with each other. So let's just uh, take a closer look at this. I want to return last Sunday. We took a look at Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Athens, where there was this public narrative this of there are many gods and many different spiritual ways to peace. And Paul affirms the fact that they have a spiritual desire and that they love talking about these different public narratives. But he also reveals some truth to them in Acts chapter 17. And what we read in verse 26 is uh, speaking about creation. From one man he created, or one human blood, Adam and Eve he's referring to, from one man he created all the nations, that nation word, remember, is ethnos, ethnicity. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand where they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. So God is the source of every human life. And despite any differences that we have from each other, we are of this one, as we saw last week in Paul's words, God-shaped human race. We, in truth, at the end of the day, humanity shares a whole lot more in common in our DNA uh, than we do with other things, right? So we are of this one God-shaped human race. God gives all of us the source of life. And we also share this organic unity. I want to just talk briefly about organic unity. As humans, we have, we are from one blood, one human race. And what we also see Paul talking about here is that God is most powerful 
and in control of all the nations. Nations rise, nations fall. God is sovereign, God is in control. And you see some scriptures on the screen that talk a little bit more about this. Now, briefly, I do want to talk about ethnicity. I think that ethnicity, which is uh, rooted uh, in the Bible, this uh, Greek word of ethnos, um, is a little bit more helpful than race. A racialized society usually comes from one group trying to put down, demean, or oppress another group. Ethnicity is a little bit helpful. There's a good African-American Christian sociologist, Norman Anthony Pert, that says this, Ethnic distinctions are general characteristics that include a person's nation of origin, language, lineage, customs, and outward features such as skin color. He continues, the Bible does not present racial identifiers as indicators of the possession or lack of possession of innate abilities and qualities, meaning that we don't see examples in the Bible that, hey, people like this, people from this ethnicity are really good at this or really bad at that. And um, a pastor, Reverend Dr. John M. Perkins, who I love, uh, just continues describing the sociologist's definition in this way. Adding that only the instances in the Bible where whole people groups are cast negatively in Scripture are when they collectively fail in their obedience to God. So it's not about their ethnicity or nationality, but about their spiritual integrity. I think this is helpful for us in our understanding of who God is, who we are, and this love story between us and God and with each other. Remember when Jesus said that the most important parts of Scripture were love God with the best of your energy and love your neighbor the same as yourself. And we've talked recently about that. We talk about it often because it's really important, it's really simple, and it should inform our life and our motives. We talked also about how what that neighbor definition means and helping someone who is in need. We've talked about reconciliation and restoration from God's kingdom perspective, which includes I don't hold the other person or group of people at arm's length, but I bring them into my life in that reconciliation and restoration process. But it's only possible because of the great mercy that God has shown me and through an understanding that it's God who gives every human life Possible. So what we see is that God has this loving purpose of redemption, giving all of humanity this opportunity. Uh, he gives all of humanity an organic unity. We're of one blood. And then there's also spiritual hum uh, unity that God does, which he does through Jesus Christ. And I think it's important. We're going to look at a couple more scriptures. And where I really am going today is Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to open your Bibles. But just first, since Jesus is the captain of our faith, the initiator and the completer, let's talk about Jesus real quick because God made it possible through Jesus. The Son of God, Alpha and Omega, was multi-ethnic, multicultural. In the family tree of Jesus were the indigenous inhabitants of Israel, Palestine, Ethiopia, Egypt, the Sudan, and Libya. Jesus in his biological body, which he didn't say, worship my biological body, right? Worship my ethnicity. Jesus never says that. Christians never say that. But it is important, especially where we are right now, as we're uh, looking at, am I prejudiced? What's going on in my heart? Who is Jesus really? Well, Jesus certainly was not white. Um, so if if this is the, the ethnicity of Jesus included, it wasn't 
The ethnicity of Jesus was not primarily what you might know as a Jewish person that you might know today. He had this multi-ethnic, multicultural ancestry. So we need to ask what it means for us, uh, Pastor Reverend Dr. Ephraim Smith uh, writing this. We need to ask what it means for us through the the Holy Spirit for that Christ to live in us. We must wrestle with what it means to follow that Jesus, to surrender to that Jesus, to represent that Jesus. He walked our earth as a multi-ethnic, multicultural Jewish human being. But we have reduced him from that. In our culture, we have made Jesus look like whoever we are instead of who he is. Now, I'm thankful for who Jesus is, and God really did have a purpose, we'll talk about more in the future, for how he revealed himself through Jesus. But it's important for us to note that Jesus, our hero, embodies this organic unity and this spiritual unity. Let's take a look a little bit more at the spiritual unity side. Hang in there with me today. I'm, I'm trying to build something that I think is going to be encouraging and helpful to you today. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Did you know there's a book in the Bible called Titus? Spiritual unity. Here's what we're talking about. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love and saved us, Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. There's no group of people, no individual person that did good things to deserve it, right? He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. I'm so thankful that we can receive this cleansing, this uh, forgiveness from God through faith in Jesus, and that it means salvation, new life, and that heaven is our home. You see a couple of scripture references on the screen. God's loving purpose of redemption gives all of humanity an opportunity for spiritual unity. And what I believe is that at the end of the day, we are all either living in our mistakes, what you might call sinners, people who have missed the mark, or we are forgiven sinners and Christ followers. All of humanity uh, is in that, we're all in this together. Now, let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 through 22. I think this is really important, really helpful for us. And I want to point out that in this letter, All of the you words are all you all. They are plural for all Jesus followers. Okay, talking now, he's talking now about Jesus and the new covenant that Jesus brought about, which they learned from Jesus what it meant, okay? Talking about God and uh, his work of peace through Jesus. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. 
Now, he uses several analogies about this spiritual unity. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. That's Ephesians 2, verses 15 through 22. This is a really important passage. It's relevant to all of us. It is talking primarily about the good news of Jesus, where we can be forgiven, where we get this opportunity to have a relationship with God, receiving love from God and giving God love. And remember, it's that agape love word, not selfish love. And then it is also talking about this relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles, which is everyone else, everyone who is not ethnically a Jew. And beyond that, the implications, which if you study the book of Acts and you study the other, the rest of the New Testament, you will find that this is sound biblical interpretation. It is talking about the good news of Jesus, the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles, but it is also talking about the relationship between all people of all ethnicities, all cultures, all what you might call races. And it's very important that what he is saying is that God made peace. God made peace between all of us of different ethnicities and cultures by creating us to be one people. So we were at the origin story of humanity. We had an organic unity, and now we have a spiritual unity because we stand in need of the grace of God. And when we, by faith, receive salvation in Jesus Christ, we are made one people. There is a spiritual unity that is an essential ingredient in the love story of God with humanity. In God's whole love story, this unity is an essential piece. And we see that God made peace. God reconciled. We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He reconciled us with each other by means to the sacrifice of Jesus, our sin, our tendency to do wrong, our tendency to, to harm other people. He is bringing a death to that through the cross of Jesus. And you notice the word hostility. Word hostility is there. Paul is identifying the truth. The reality is that people who don't think that racism and things of that nature are happening right now, they are ignorant of interactions that other people are having. Their life has been privileged. Their life has been protected from these things. But these things are happening. They do happen. And unfortunately now, with everyone having a camera on their phone, we're seeing some evidence of that. Paul identifies that there has been hostility between these cultures. And he is saying that through Jesus, our hostility toward each other was put to death. How? It's the good news of peace to people who were once far from God are now being brought 
near to God, right? It's this good news of peace that is so essential. Now we have access. We're all forgiven. Here's what I have found. People, when I am close to, am familiar with, am directly every day informed by the fact that I've been forgiven of my sins, I've been made clean. When I don't get too far from that, I'm still feeling a real gratitude towards God for forgiving me of my sin. It is far more likely that I'm going to be kind and respectful and loving to other people. When I start to feel like I'm the one who did it for myself, that my own good works are the are the big deal, that's when I can be um, grouchy. That's when I can feel superior. That's where... Um, feeling like I am better than other people starts to come into play. When we come into this, I've received forgiveness for my sins, that's when I start to feel unity with other people. And Paul uses here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, several examples. don't have time to unpack them all today. You are citizens, kingdom of God, right? We're citizens of the kingdom of God. You are members of God's family. We are all a spiritual family. And we are a house. We are a temple. He's using this uh, language that I think is very important. If you call yourself a Christian today... I believe that the New Testament has something rich to speak to this that we need to understand. He speaks to a strategic connection of our relationships. In the kingdom of God, all Christians, we need to be thinking about, aware of, a strategic connection in our relationships. Our unity has purpose. It's not just a, mm, let's all peace out, zone out, I'm all, let's everybody just be happy and just get along. Well, let's be happy and get along, but it's for a purpose. There's a purpose in the unity. That's why God joined us together carefully. That's where the analogy we get of a house and a temple, there's construction. But also a part of the purpose is so that God will dwell among us. God will live among us. We will live peacefully with each other in this spiritual sense. It's a spiritual sense of doing life together, sharing life together. That's a part of the unity, that the purpose of the unity in God's love story with humanity. Now, listen, the reality is, is that every generation must turn away from their own mistakes when it comes to prejudice or, or, or any mistakes. Every generation gets an opportunity to receive the love of Jesus, to then share the love of Jesus, and to use the love of Jesus to press out from inside themselves insecurity and prejudice. This has not been easy for me, but it has definitely been one of the most, and continues to be one of the most important parts of my life. I want to go a little bit deeper, give us a couple of illustrations and some points to take away. Hang in there with me today. Um, the Reverend Dr. Uh, David Ireland, a pastor not too far from us who we are in relationship with, said this, which I thought was so important. Reconciliation is everyone's responsibility, just like prejudice is everyone's problem. I believe that to be true. I think in humanity we share this organic unity, we share a spiritual unity, we are sinners or forgiven sinners, followers of Christ or not yet followers of Christ. That's my hope. I think that's that's the call of God. I want to just give us a couple of examples of what I believe, and that is that Christians can be a part of the solution. 
we can lead in unity and love in a way that's transformational, in a way where we see the strategic value of it. Because God loves people and God has a purpose. I want us to be recognizing that. Uh, It's possible that you've seen the movie Woodlawn. Uh, the movie Woodlawn is a beautiful story of how the gospel sparked a spiritual awakening that tore down walls of hate and prejudice in Birmingham, Alabama in 1973. Violence in the city was so rampant because of integration and busing that the FBI considered closing Woodlawn High School. But there was a chaplain who shared the gospel with the football team. Almost every player accepted Christ as Savior. After finding a white power sign behind the gym, the chaplain challenged them that, quote, Jesus and what's written on this cannot coexist. What happened next is a true story of forgiveness, repentance, and transformation. The players decided to love one another. They linked arms, black and white players together, 1973 Alabama, and God did the miraculous. Black and white players were seen fellowshipping together at home meetings through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. The coach accepted Christ when he saw what was happening with his players. It was a miracle, and revival spread throughout the entire city of Birmingham. Repentance is the most beautiful demonstration of the power of Christ in the life of the believer. That amazing story is detailed in the book uh, One Blood by uh, the pastor, Reverend Dr. John M. Perkins. Listen, we as the church, as our local church, and also the Big C Church, that's Christ followers everywhere, we can lead in serving our communities with this understanding of strategic love that's possible through Jesus. Let me give you another example, um, if I may. This is from an article from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Something wonderful happened in early 2017 after the killing of Alton Sterling by a white man the killing of Philando Castile by a Latino, and the killing of five police officers in Dallas by a black man. After these events, the Reverend Lee Jenkins, the pastor of Eagle's Nest Church in Roswell, Georgia, reached across the divide to Matt Miller, the white pastor of Roswell Community Church, and asked to meet together to talk about race. Within seven months, the two had become 200. They began by viewing the movie Selma, and met in small groups reflecting on the movie and discussing the things we assume about the other race. The small groups met in individual homes, and for many of the whites, it was the first time they'd ever been in a black home. The discussion was raw, from the talk of having grown up in the South where, quote, the N-word was used not as an insult but as an adjective, unquote, and the perception that whites think they're better than everyone else. After meeting in one another's homes for seven months and spending time together, real relationships had been forged. The two churches continue to have conversations about grace and race once a month. And it was uh, Rosalind Bentley that uh, wrote this article after Philando Castile about the two churches in Roswell, Georgia. Um, And here's just a couple of quotes uh, from people that were normal people like you that were involved in this. Uh, Denise Moss, uh, with her husband who participated in, in the small groups, to be vulnerable is scary. It's scary. It takes a lot to take those walls down. It takes time. I don't want this to be a surface thing. Stephen Gilkinson, who joined the reconciliation group with his wife, Mary Louise, after the killing of Philando Castile, was talking about how it brought a transformation in his thinking. He said this, if a black person gets angry, it's never perceived well. But if I get angry, other white people pretty much get over it. 
interesting uh, observation that he made and what he learned. And here's a quote from each of the pastors from the African-American pastor, Reverend Lee Jenkins. There are people out there who want to see us get healed racially. But the biggest problem is we aren't having conversations about this. And here's what the, the white pastor, Reverend Matt Miller, said. It just felt inexcusable. It felt like ignoring people that were called to love Ignoring people that we are called to love and belong to. It just couldn't happen anymore. God loves people. God gives people value. We're in this together. People are God's masterpiece. I'm hoping that today you will start to ask yourself a few questions. Am I seeing God's love story clearly? Do I see other people as equal in value to me? Do I see purpose in unity? So here in God's love story, we see that God has given us organic unity and spiritual unity. God's given each of us physical life on this earth and we're of one human blood. But also uh, we see that God in spiritually has given, he showed us love first by giving us the opportunity to receive salvation. Uh, it, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. So what should we do about it? That's an important question. Well, here's what I'm asking that you do today. This week, first, go back and read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 through 22 that we read today. It really deserves your prayerful consideration. Second, in prayer, ask God to help you see his love story. Ask God to help you see it clearly. Third, in your quiet time, write one thing that you are seeing about God's love story with humanity. Write down one thing. Now, fourth, and this calls back to last week where we talked about the fact that as humans were created in the image of God, and what that means is that God is communicating something to us with the way that he has shaped us, that each of us have something about us that's the image of God that has value to other people as well. Here's my fourth thing for us to do today to this, this week. Write down one thing you see about someone else's Value. We're looking for positive things, valuable things that are this shaped in the image of God kind of thing. Now, I know you might be thinking, well, we're, we're just talking about unity as it relates to these racial things. We just want everybody to look the same, sound the same. No, that's that would be shallow. Uh, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about God's creativity. Um, think about it like this. Um, think about it like an amazing salad. Now, I know that you might feel like I have at times in my life that that is an oxymoron. I don't want nothing to do with a salad. But think about, imagine an amazing salad like you see the picture on the screen with lots of different ingredients. God has created us all unique and each of us in our unique ways are valuable and bringing our unique values together is so very important. Um, if we... Uh, say, oh, well, the church, what we're supposed to do is just everybody be the same, talk the same, do the same. That would be like just dumping um, a whole lot of ranch dressing all over the salad and then it all tastes the same. That's not what we're talking about here. 
That's not what we're talking about. We'll talk about that more next week. But I'm hoping that we're getting a better understanding of who God is and who we are and how God's love story has purpose in our life, has meaning, has depth, and can help us grow relationships with each other stronger, can help us grow relationships with people we don't know or hardly know or just have a rapport with or only see occasionally in our neighborhoods. We can build better relationships, and our understanding of these issues will help us. I think that if you take a look at the whole Bible, what you will find is that you cannot tell the love story of God without these things that we're talking about here. I hope this has been helpful to you. Please allow me to pray for you. God, what we're talking about here is not easy. Uh, None of us is wanting to have difficult conversations. None of us is wanting to have to deal with our own personal mistakes on these issues. Lord, I ask that you would please forgive us for where we have been wrong. Lord, we turn away from where we have been wrong, wrong thinking, wrong words, wrong actions. Lord, forgive us for those things. Help us to understand your love, to receive your love, to grow in your love. Lord, help us to hear your voice, to see your love story in clarity. Help us to see value in the people that you have put in our lives, that we, as we receive your love, we would share your love to others. Help us with it, I ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for participating with this. Remember, the whole video will be here on our Facebook page and on YouTube, available to you at any time for you to share with others. Hey, send somebody else a a greeting today um, in one way or another. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.